Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is Saturday of the 31st week in Ordinary Time. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. To prepare ourselves, let us acknowledge our sins. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, by whose gift your faithful offer you right and praiseworthy service, grant, we pray, that we may hasten without stumbling to receive the things you have promised through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. It is a great joy to me in the Lord that at last you have shown some concern for me again, though of course you were concerned before and only lacked an opportunity. I'm not talking about shortage of money. I've learned to manage on whatever I have. I know how to be poor and I know how to be rich too. I've been through my initiation and now I'm ready for anything anywhere. Full stomach or empty stomach, poverty or plenty, There is nothing I cannot master with the help of the one who gives me strength. All the same, it was good of you to share with me in my hardships. In the early days of the good news, as you people of Philippi well know, when I left Macedonia, no other church helped me with gifts of money. You were the only ones. And twice since my stay in Thessalonica, you've sent me what I needed. It is not your gift that I value. What is valuable to me is the interest that is mounting up in your account. Now for the time being, I've everything that I need and more. I'm fully provided now that I've received from Epipophitus, the offering that you sent, a sweet fragrance, the sacrifice that God accepts and finds pleasing. In return, my God will fulfill all your needs in Christ Jesus as lavishly as only God can. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Happy are those who fear the Lord. Happy the man who fears the Lord, who takes delight in all his commands. His sons will be powerful on earth. The children of the upright are blessed. Happy are those who fear the Lord. The good man takes pity and lends. He conducts his affairs with honour. The just man will never waver. He will be remembered forever. Happy are those who fear the Lord. With a steadfast heart he will not fear. Open-handed he gives to the poor. His justice stands firm forever. His head will be raised in glory. Happy are those who fear the Lord. 
Alleluia, Alleluia. Jesus Christ was rich, but he became poor to make you rich out of his poverty. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you this, use money, tainted as it is, to win you friends. And thus, make sure that when it fails you, they will welcome you into the tents of eternity. The man who can be trusted in little things can be trusted in great. The man who is dishonest in little things will be dishonest in great. If then you cannot be trusted with money, that tainted thing, who will trust you with genuine riches? And if you cannot be trusted with what is not yours, who will give you what is your very own? No servant can be the slave of two masters. He will either hate the first and love the second, or treat the first with respect and the second with scorn. You cannot be the slave both of God and of money. The Pharisees, who loved money, heard all this and laughed at him. He said to them, You are the very ones who pass yourselves off as virtuous in people's sight. But God knows your hearts. For what is thought highly of by men is loathsome in the sight of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so the Gospel we have today backs up on what we heard yesterday. Of course, yesterday we had the parable of the unjust steward. You know, the bloke who was in charge of his master's assets and uh, when he was found out for, you know, fiddling with the books, he decided to write down the amount that the master's debtors owed him so that, you know, he would later be able to go to them and say, hey, look, you know, I saved you 50 measures of oil, I saved you 20 measures of wheat. And of course, this dishonest steward gets praised by the master for having been so astute, having been so cunning in his dealings. So here comes the implication of that parable. Jesus says to his disciples, I tell you this, use money, tainted as it is, to win you friends, and thus make sure that when it fails you, they will welcome you into the tents of eternity. So that's exactly what the dishonest steward is doing. He knows that the present situation in which he is, the employee that he has, the access he has to the assets of his master, that that's coming to an end. You know, tomorrow he's going to get sacked. So he takes these assets, puts them to good use. Well, I mean, good in inverted commas, right? It's not morally good, but it's good for him. He puts these assets to use. And in that way, he assures for himself a well-being beyond his firing. What's he done? He's used his master's money in order to win him friends and thus made sure that when it failed him, when the assets of the master were no longer in his grasp, that he had friends who were willing to receive him. Well, I think the implications of this is pretty clear, um, and perhaps it requires us to change our attitude a little bit to the things that are actually in our grasp. You know, we look at things like our time, our wealth, our talents, as things which we own, things which are our own possessions. But in actual fact, I think what Jesus is pointing out is that, no, you've got them on loan. You're not a master, you're a steward. And the day will come when these are no longer in your grasp. 
I suppose we don't like to think about it, but, you know, we're going to have to hand it all back at some point. We're going to have to hand back our time because it'll have run out. We have to hand back our wealth because even if you cash out your bank account and have all the money buried with you in your coffin, it's not going to do you much good. You still have to leave it behind. And let's face it, even the most talented dead body is still a dead body. We're stewards of our time, our treasure, and our talents. But that's not bad news, because Jesus is reminding us that we use these things, money particularly, as he says here in the Gospel today, tainted as it is, to win friends. Thus, when it fails, that these friends will welcome us into the tents of eternity. It reframes the parameters of the game. Right, you've got access to all of these goods right now. But the day will come when you don't. So, take what is impermanent, take what is temporal and passing, and use it in order to win for yourself something which is eternal. That's the logic of the parable of the dishonest steward kind of coming out and being applied now to our own lives. The dishonest steward knew that things were going to fall apart, that he was soon to be sacked. So he makes friends with the debtors of the master. So that knowing that this is coming, he's used what's in his grasp now in order to obtain something for himself that will last even beyond his firing. Now, there's an interesting little shift that happens then in the gospel. Jesus says the man who can be trusted in little things can be trusted in great So, you know, when you compare that to the dishonest steward, well, obviously he was someone who was untrustworthy. And yet the thing that he's praised for is the astuteness he has in knowing how to deal with these things so that he can secure something which is permanent. Our job, though, is to take that which is temporal, make good use of it in order to secure something eternal. And this is the means by which we show that we are are trustworthy. Take something which is not yours, use it well, and then you will be given something of your very own. Here I think we can see something of the difference between the life we live now and the life to come, eternal life. Because stop and think about it. Okay, we're stewards in this life. Why? Because we have to hand everything back. But in eternal life, there's nothing that we'll hand back. God will have given a life to us which is truly ours. You've shown that you're trustworthy in small things. Now you will be entrusted with something so much greater. You'll never have to give it back. It's yours. But I think all of this requires a pretty significant attitude shift. And you know, sort of made mention of it at the beginning of the homily, right? To look at all of these things of time, talent, and treasure, not simply as my possessions, but instead as the things which I can employ in order to receive something which will truly be mine. I'm a steward here. I'm a servant. God has put all of these things in my hands as an opportunity to accomplish his purpose, his plan. I've got free will. I've got my intellect. I've got time, I've got means and resources, all right, you're a steward of these things, use them 
and you'll receive something of your very own. The danger, though, is that we look at these things and imagine them to be our very own possession. I use these things for my own purposes, my own enjoyment, my own self-aggrandizement. Well, you may not be winning friends in heaven, and when these things fail, you get left with nothing. And here comes a rather stinging little critique. Jesus says, No servant can be the slave of two masters. He will either hate the first and love the second, or treat the first with respect and the second with scorn. You cannot be the slave both of God and of money. Here's the irony. Even if we imagine that we are the masters of all of our goods, we're not. We're stewards. We're servants. The question really is, who do you serve? You see, if I imagine that my money is really my own possession, mm, I'm still a servant. I'm not its master. It becomes my master. Why is that? Because I still got to hand it back. At the end of my life, it still won't actually have obtained for me something permanent. I'll have used up my life in order to make money and spend it. And in the end, I got to leave it. The alternative is to be God's servant, to employ all of these different elements in service of him. Death guarantees that we're not the master of our lives. So we're going to be the servant of something. Since we cannot be the servant both of God and of money, then be smart. Use money to serve God. Use time to serve God. Use your talents to serve God. At the Saviour's command, and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours, now and forever. Let us welcome Christ into our hearts with an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. And we finish by praying Pope Francis's prayer to Mary during the coronavirus pandemic.
O Mary, you shine continuously on our journey as a sign of salvation and hope. We entrust ourselves to you, health of the sick. At the foot of the cross, you participated in Jesus' pain with steadfast faith. You, salvation of the Roman people, know what we need. We are certain that you will provide, so that as you did in Cana of Galilee, joy and feasting might return after this moment of trial. Help us, Mother of Divine Love, to conform ourselves to the Father's will and to do what Jesus tells us. He who took our sufferings upon himself and bore our sorrows to bring us through the cross to the joy of the resurrection. Amen. We seek refuge under your protection, O Holy Mother of God. Do not despise our pleas, we who are put to the test, and deliver us from every danger, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.